Thank you, Lord. Anybody remember what we're supposed to talk about here today? Talked about the end of last last service. Let's see if you're mindful of those things. But there was a the small church in Virginia. They didn't have a whole lot of money. They didn't have a whole lot of members that had money. But they needed a new roof. Believe in God for a new roof. And really the only person in the whole church who had money was the local banker. And he was kind of a stingy old guy. He used to come in at the end of the service or toward, toward the, the, the worship service while it was going on. Um, and he'd slip in in the back. And he would sit in one of the places in the back. And after worship was over and they began to take up the offering, he'd slip out. He didn't want to be there for the offering. He didn't want to give anything. He wanted to do that for the offering. So he was in the back. He could just kind of slip out. So he slipped out and sometimes he would come back in. But one Sunday he got to church later than he usually did and there was no seats in the back. Only place he could sit was up in the front. So he sat up there in the front and since he's up there in the front he couldn't leave during the time of the offering. And the pastor made a call and he says, we need to raise some money to replace the roof. It's falling apart. It's leaking. We need the money for the for the roof. And so as he's, he was uh, talking about this need and getting ready to take up the offering, they're all bowing their heads. The banker's up in the front seat. He can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, from the ceiling, came part of the roof crashing down and hit him in the head. And he said, I'll give $1,000. The man behind him said, hit him again, Lord. Hit him again. (laughs) How do you expect to hear from God? How do you expect God to speak to you? What has to happen? Does the roof have to crash in? Or is there other things that, uh, that will go on? Last time we were looking at Jesus in the garden, we saw Jesus withdrew and he got into the garden He was focused on prayer, and we saw four things we needed to do to make sure that we stayed focused on what God had given us to do. Because God has given each one of us something to do. He's spoken to us in his word. He's given us a general commission. He's given us some specific things to do. What has God spoken to you to do? First thing we saw that Jesus did was he continued in prayer. And he told his disciples to continue in prayer. He stayed focused. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He remained active. After prayer was over, he got up and he said, let us be going. Those who seek us are here. And after that, we saw that he spoke what he knew. He's at the garden and the soldiers approached him. Whom do you seek? We seek Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And they all fell over. Continue in prayer. Stay focused. Remain active and speak what you know. Focus on those four things. Don't talk yourself out of the will of God. Don't talk yourself out of doing what God said to do. Don't let others do it either. Don't follow after distractions. At the end of the service last week, we told you that our enemy has schemes. He has things that he does against us. Things that he does to steer us off. And if we look in the Word of God, we'll find out he really doesn't have any new schemes. Maybe because we don't make him come up with anything new. The old ones work just fine. But if we understand his schemes, you understand the way that he comes against us, we can spot him a mile away. So we're going to look at five things. If you're up on Facebook this morning, I put it up there. There are five things that the devil will do 
to get you distracted. Five main areas, five main distractions. I put this in your outline initially. I had to take a whole mess of stuff out because there just wasn't enough room. But there are five distractions the enemy uses to pull us off the way God has for us. These attack the five, and I put these in, in quotes, guided systems that God has put in the believer's life to keep them on track. That there are five things God has put in your life to keep you on track, and there are five things the devil uses to get you off. And those five things attack the five things that God has given us. So we're going to take a look at those here today. Here's the first one. This first one is what started it all. I was listening to a message by uh, Brother Willie George. And he gave a story about a woman. He wasn't talking about this particular thing, but he gave a story about a woman, and I saw this from it. It was a woman that was in his church a long time ago. And he said, she's gone now. She's nowhere around here, and I can talk about this. But uh, this woman had come to him and said to him, I know that God has a plan for my life. And Brother George said, well, yeah, I agree with you. He does. He has a good plan for my life. I was at a church uh, this week, and someone came over and prophesied over me that I was going to have, I was going to be given an amusement park, and it would be the second biggest amusement park in the country, second only to Disney. And Brother George had all kinds of alarms going off inside, and he says, well, I don't really think that's a word from God. Now, he said this is the reasoning that he had a, a, a couple of checks in him. First one was, why would God do something second best? <laughs> I mean, that's obvious. Why would God give you a vision and say it's going to be second to what the world already has? I don't think that's God. If God's going to do something, he does stuff big. You know, look at the ark. That's, that's big. That was the biggest boat out there. Look at the children of Israel. Two to four million people wandering around the wilderness. When was the last time you saw two to four million people wandering around a wilderness? God does things big. But here's the, here's the main thing he said. He said, this woman was not being prepared to run anything. This woman had a job, and she could barely take care of herself in that job. She was not over anyone. She didn't oversee anyone. And if you're going to take over in the music park, and it be even if it is the second biggest one next to Disney, you're going to be overseeing thousands of people. And that takes some development. It takes some training. And she was not being trained for it. She's not, not being made ready. I've told you before, you know, we, we always we, we hear people. How many have ever seen a, a particular minister? Oh, that minister would make a great president. You know, that's not necessarily true. Just because you know the word and just because you know God doesn't mean you will make a great president. You've got to be being prepared for that, that role. I've told you my qualifications for president. I very seldom have had a chance to vote for anyone who has all three. First off, I want them to honor the Constitution. Secondly, I want them to be prepared by having run something big. If you don't run anything big, how can you run the country? Senators, representatives, they know politics, but they don't know how to run anything big. You've got to have training. You've got to be able to do things. Last uh, election, we, we saw Herman Cain. Herman Cain ran big organizations. That's training. We saw people who were governors of states. That's training. That's getting trained into something big so that you can run something big. You need to, you need to be able to do that. And third, I want them to honor God. I want them to know about God, and I want them to honor God. I want them to see the presidency as a calling in their life. I very seldom get to see all three things in a presidential candidate, but those are the three things that I want to see. 
God will prepare you for whatever it is he's getting you into. He doesn't just throw you into it. Here's the first thing we put in your, your outline for you. The devil, in order to try and get you off track, will lead you into something you are not prepared for. Whatever God will lead you into, he will prepare you. Look at some of the examples. I had to cut these out of your outline for you, but you can write them in there somewhere along the spaces if you want to. Look at Joseph. We spent a number number of uh, weeks on him. Look at how he was prepared to run the country. It's food supply. Look at all the things that God did. For 17 years, he was in a job to prepare him and get him ready. So when he stepped into it, he was there. He was ready. Daniel was being prepared. And all the while, he was being grown up. And the, the king kept advancing him and putting him more until finally the king gave thought to putting him under the whole, uh, the whole realm underneath him because he grew him up, got him prepared little by little by little. David, we saw that David was first off over um, a, a sheep, over his sheep. Then he was in the army. Then he was over 600 men. He would lead, uh, well, before he did that, he, he, he was the commander of the king's men. He would go out and they said David would slay his thousands. Or David would, Saul would slay his thousands. David would slay his tens of thousands. And then he went from there when he got kicked out of the country and he had 600 men and he grew them up into some of the best warriors around. And they were people that no one else wanted. God raised him up. God got him faithful with what he had. He got him ready. And God will get you ready. If anything comes upon you, all of a sudden, you say, I have not been trained for this. No, it is a distraction. It is something the enemy is trying to do to get you out of where you are supposed to go. Because God will prepare you for whatever it is he leads you into. Look at Joshua. How long was Joshua prepared to take over the children of Israel? For 40 years, he was Moses' assistant. And when Moses died, the words to Joshua were this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you. (laughs) He was made ready. He was trained up. God will train you up. You can keep on going through the word. You can see example after example. Who followed Elijah? Elisha, the one who was trained up. The one who was made ready. Even then, Elijah said, if you're going to wear my mantle, I can't say that. It's up to God. Just because you've been trained up doesn't mean you... Pass the mustard. We've got we to gotta see what happens. And we saw that Elisha had a person who was being trained up, Gehazi. But he didn't, he didn't quite make it. Didn't quite work out so well for him. I put this in your outline for you because I really want you to get this. If God has not prepared you, he does not place you. If God has not prepared you, he does not place you. Now, sometimes we've been resistant to God preparing us. Sometimes we haven't pursued the things we need to do to be prepared. And God can't place us. We saw Paul resisting being placed or being prepared by God. And God couldn't place him until finally on the road to Damascus he gave in. We looked at other examples like that as well. But in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, speaking about Paul and Barnabas, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, who is also known as Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. It says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. But how long were they being prepared? How long were they being ready? Paul withdrew to a whole other 
uh, part of the world, and there he received the revelation of the church. There his, his revelation was being prepared. And then Barnabas went and sought him and brought him back. And then they worked in the church together for a while and began to teach and do different things. And then after a while, God says, all right, now they're prepared. Now separate them for the work that I called them. So they laid hands on them and they sent them out. But God will prepare you for wherever it is he's going to place you. So for the enemy to get you off course, and it's going to be true for all five of these things, for the enemy to get you off course, he must get you to lose your focus. How do most people get in car accidents? They lost their focus. They had a distraction. They had something come up. They, they had their eyes on the road, but then all of a sudden, it wasn't on the road. And they got to somewhere else. I don't know if, if you saw that uh, video they put up on Facebook. The uh, bus driver, he's over there uh, driving the bus on down the road. And uh, he, he, he's trying to be off camera and he's trying to look at his, his uh, cell phone. I guess looking at a text or reading a text or something like that. And he's trying to read it. And he doesn't realize that his bus has drifted over into the shoulder of the road. And there's a truck in the shoulder of the road. And he slams right into the truck. doesn't even see it. Caption was, honestly, he just jumped right out in front of me. I don't know where it came from. Now, see, we get distracted. We get our focus off. That's what the enemy wants to try and do. If he can get your focus off, he can get you to stop. He can get you to go in a different direction. He can get you to crash. You know, why is it that most of us have uh, left our goals? We lost our focus. We had a focus on it. We lost our focus. So here, our focus changed from being prepared to deserving. This is what the devil wants to try and get us to do. You don't need to be prepared for that. You deserve it. God should give that to you. Look how long you've been serving. Look how long you've been faithful. And then You get that entitlement mentality, which is constantly being uh, fostered in the minds of people. And people who have that mentality don't go anywhere. No, you've got to be understand, understand, I've got to be prepared. Whatever it is that God is going to take me, wherever it is He's going to place me, He is going to prepare me. Even if it's like Joseph, where you're in slavery and then in jail, God does not care where you are. God can prepare you wherever you are, whatever it is that you're doing. It does not need to be a certain thing, a particular thing. God can use any situation you are in to prepare you. I used to think about this when I was uh, over at Ken's Pizza, running the ovens and on the make table and making pizzas on Friday night. Every Friday night, that's where Steve was. He was making pizzas. I worked every Friday night. I worked every Saturday. Every single week, I worked Friday. I worked other days too, but I always worked Friday and Saturday because my goal was I wanted Sunday off. If you're going to work in the restaurant industry, you're going to work in the pizza industry or something like that, you are going to work some weekdays or weekends. That's just how it is, folks. If they're busy days, they need you there. If you go in and say, I can, I can work Monday through Thursday, uh, see ya. <laughs> they need people that are there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's, uh, that's how it is. So I, uh, I went in there and I made a deal with them. It says, look, I want Sundays off. Now, everybody wants Sundays off, or everybody wants Saturdays off, or everybody wants Sundays So I said, I want Sundays off, but I will give you every Friday and every Saturday. I won't give you a hard time about it. You can schedule me every single Friday. You can schedule me every single Saturday. But just give me Sundays off. And they agreed. They said, you'll work every single Friday, every single Saturday? I said, I sure will. I'll work every Friday, every Saturday. 
And they gave me every Sunday off. Now, I didn't mean they didn't at times ask me. They did sometimes come up and say, can you work this Sunday? Now, if I had a ride, I didn't have a car. I was walking everywhere, running everywhere, whatever it is I had to do. So um, they, they, they said, uh, can, you, can you work this Sunday? Well, if it was Sunday morning, it was, I wasn't working on Sunday morning. My, my church that I went to was a mile away. I could walk there. But uh, they had Sunday night service in their own building, not in their rented building. And their own building was a lot further away. I couldn't get there in a suit and uh, <laughs> be in church. So uh, I didn't go to the Sunday night service. If I had a ride to a church, then I would go to, to wherever it is I could get a ride to. But Sunday morning, I was always walking up to Walnut Grove. Pastor Willie George was the pastor at the time, and I would always walk up there. Rain, didn't matter what it was. We'd, we'd get on up there, and we're going to be in church. So I didn't have a ride, but I could walk up there. So if they say, can you work on Sunday morning? No. Can't work on Sunday morning. Really, but we're, we're really hurting. I'm sorry. I can't work on I would never never give in. If you give in one time, all you got to do is give in one time. That's all you got to do. And they're going to come after you for the next one. Well, you did it before. I said, no, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I told you, I work every Friday, work every Saturday. I've done that. I've worked every Friday. I've worked every Saturday. Can't work on Sunday. And they say, well, can you come in Sunday night? If I didn't have a ride to church on Sunday night, sure, I can come in Sunday night. I didn't, uh, I didn't mind that, but Sunday morning, they're not going to get me. And it wasn't going to happen. So we stayed, stayed focused on that, kept that, that part going. Because, you know, if, if you want to get something, you got to give something. So anyway, that's what we did with that. But the whole time I was over there at, at Ken's Pizza, going to Rama, working at Ken's Pizza, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm being trained for ministry. So I would look around Ken's Pizza and what I was doing. How am I being trained for ministry? How in the world is making pizzas and running ovens training you up for ministry? So I began to look at the different things, and before long, they, they wanted me to be a shift leader. Before long after that, the, uh, we actually lost our manager. I was a shift leader. The area general manager came in, ran the place for a while, and said uh, when he left, he said, make this guy an assistant manager. So I got to be made an assistant manager so within a few months of, uh, of being there. So now I'm assistant manager at, at Ken's Pizza. Uh, I'm still off on Sundays. <laughs> still working Fridays and Saturdays and any other time that they want except when I'm in school. And so I began to look, well, how am I being trained? Because this is just making pizzas. How am I being trained? And I said, well, I'm, I'm learning how to socialize with unsaved people because everybody in the place was unsaved. Everybody in the place was. I was the only saved person in the store. Funny how they asked the only saved person in the store who goes to church on Sunday to work on Sunday. Isn't that amazing? Nobody else is working on going to church on Sunday. You're not going to ask them. It's, it's something else. But anyway. I got to learn how to interact with unsaved people. I got to learn how to manage people. I got to learn how to be friendly with people that I liked and didn't like. I got all kinds of training. I got to learn how to work with customers who were coming on in for the first time and, uh, and, and talk, with, talk with them. I got phone skills because we had to answer the phone every once in a while and take orders. So I got to develop phone skills. I got to develop ordering Money management, because we had to take care of the books. I got to develop all, I heard, all this time. I'm looking at this. I'm being trained. from. Look at this. I got all this. And so when I went into Ken's Pizza, I didn't go in there thinking, I'm learning how to flip pizzas. I'm going in there. Father God is training me how to be a pastor at a restaurant. If you would take a look at your job as being trained for whatever it is that God has you going for, he will show you how that job will train you. 
If you just go in there and grumble and complain, can't believe you've got to work this job. This is not what I want to do. I want God to do this with me. You're not going to see it. But there is no job in this world that God cannot train you for whatever it is he's bringing you into. Our, our God is just that capable. So just let him do it. Let him, let him begin to, to train you with that. So here's the first thing. Make sure that you're not being, uh, get into that, that mindset of being deserving. I deserve this. No, you're being prepared. So the number one thing for the first thing that the enemy will do, he will lead you, lead you into something you are not prepared for. Don't go after it. If he gives you something you're not prepared for it, don't go after it. Say no. No, I'm not being, God has not prepared me for that. That's not where we're going to do. Here's the second one. If he can't lead you there, he's going to lead you into something you will need to put the word aside for. Now, you saw this with Eve in the garden. She had the word of God, didn't she? She knew what the word of God says. Don't eat the fruit. She elaborated on it, whether she did it herself or was told her that way. She said, we're not supposed to eat it or touch it. But she had the word of God. Has God really said? One of the things the enemy will do is he will lead you into an area where you need to put the word of God aside in order to do that. Has the word really said you shouldn't do that? Has the word really said? I mean, come on, really? I mean, that was written a long time ago. Does it, does it really mean that for you? Has the word really said? He will lead you into something that you will have to put the word aside for. If there is anything that you need to do and you must put the word of God aside in order to accomplish it, know this is from the enemy. God will never lead you into anything that you have to put the word of God aside for. Ever. He won't do it. Well, I got this job and if I don't compromise and do this, I'm going to lose my job. God will never lead you into something that you have to compromise the word for. Go back into the book of Daniel. Look at uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Getting thrown into the fiery furnace. Just put the word aside just for right now. Bow down and afterwards pick it back up again. Just for this one little bit of time. That's all. Hey, but Daniel, just don't pray to God out by the window. Just close the window. Did Daniel do it? No, God will not lead you into a place where you have to put the word of God aside. He won't do it. He doesn't have to do it. The word of God always stands. Just know, if you have to compromise the word, it's a distraction from the enemy. He's trying to pull you from your purpose, from your place of being trained. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Now, don't think of, if you have a job, say you work at a nursing home, hospital, someplace like that, and they're open 24 hours, and, they've, and you have to, it's part of their policy, you have to work the weekend. And I'm not saying, don't take my example and say, well, if I ever work on a Sunday, I've missed God. No, that's not it at all. That's, it, you have some jobs, and they just require that you have to work on it. That's, that's fine. That's all right. That's, that's not what we're saying. I'm saying I did it for me. Because no one was going to die if they didn't order a pizza on Sunday morning. They, were, they weren't going to die. There was, there was no lives at stake. I just wasn't showing up for work. And that's all that it was. Somebody else can, can be there for that. 
But you have, some people have jobs, and it's, it's required, it's necessary. I understand that. And don't, don't cross those things over. Don't think, well, I work in a hospital, and they uh, sometimes require me to work. That's all right. You work all that out ahead of time. If you can work out a way that you can have the time off that you want to go to church and do the things you want to do, great. Then uh, go ahead and do it. Just listen to God on that thing. Here's uh, Psalm chapter 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. God will instruct you. He will teach you in the way that you should go. How's he going to do that? In his word, through his spirit. He's going to teach you. He's going to instruct you. If you ever put his instructions aside, he is no longer leading you in the way. Don't ever put his instructions aside. It's imperative that you, you keep them right there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. For the, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. When, we want to, when the devil comes and wants you to put the word of God aside, he wants you to take your wisdom and assert it over God's. Well, our God knows best, but in this particular situation, I think I know a little bit better. And so I'm going to put the Word of God aside just this once, just this little time in here, and then, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on His. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. It means don't put the Word aside ever. And He shall direct your paths. If you want Him to direct your paths, you've got to do what He says. Three things he said to do. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. You do those three things. He shall direct your path. Well, I don't feel like my path is directed. I don't know which way I should go. Go back to the list. Do I trust in the Lord? Am I leaning on my own understanding? Am I acknowledging him in all my ways? If you're doing that, then you go back to this verse. Father God, it says right here in your, in your word. That you will direct my path. And I've done those three things. And if he convicts you and says, well, you missed it over here. Fix it. Once you fix it, all right, I fixed it. We got that going now. It says you will direct my path. I thank you, Father, that every path I take, you are directing me. You are telling me which way to go. You are showing me what I should do. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do yet. It's all right. It says right here, he shall direct your path. When you need to make a turn, he will tell you. He doesn't say turn, keep on going. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Boy, how easy it is for us to be wise in our own eyes. You know, well, God just doesn't know what he's talking about in this situation. Yeah, we do that. Come on, we all have. <laughs> Fear the Lord and depart, not, uh, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So you begin to fear the Lord, departing from evil is a whole lot easier. Put this in your outline for you. The enemy wants to get you to exalt how you see things over what God has said. He wants you to do that. He desires that you, you see what you are doing, what you are thinking, as higher than God. Remember when Saul got in trouble? Well, God said, kill all the people, all the sheep, all the calves, all, all the everything. Wipe it all out. Well, I got this idea that we should keep the best 
and bring it on back and sacrifice it to God? That's the, that's the tactic of the enemy. If he only would have known these things, he could have recognized that that's a tactic of the enemy. He's trying to get me to exalt how I see things over how God saw things. Don't do it. Here's your focus change. Exalting what you think over what he said. Exalting what you think over what he said. Just trying to get your focus to change a little bit. If you will exalt what you think over what God said, if you just do it once, if you just do it once, he can get you to do it again. If he gets you to do it again, he can get you to get, go out there and do it again a whole lot easier. Don't give in to it. Don't fall after this thing. So, enemy is going to try and lead you into something you will need to put the word aside for. Don't put the word aside. Follow the examples of the people in the word who held to it. Here's the next one. He's going to take you to a place that promotes what you see over what you believe. He's going to take you to a place and you have the opportunity to see something that's against what you believe. And he wants you to take the opportunity to believe what you see over what you believe. We've had some examples of that. Remember Thomas? In fact, I'm going to read you that. John chapter 20, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look in my hands. And reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. God wants you to be in a position where what you see goes against what you believe and you decide to, to do or to believe what's on the inside instead of what you see. What are you going to do? You're going to be in that opportunity. You're going to have those opportunities. Which one are you going to take? Now, let's just give you other, other cases. Uh, spouses, parents, you will always have an opportunity to believe something bad about your spouse. The devil will make sure of it. He will feed you with stuff to distrust them. He will feed you with things to think of bad of your kids, that they're going to do horrible things and go in different directions and they're not supposed to go. You don't have to choose to believe that. It's up to you. But if he gets you to follow after what he's trying to do, didn't you see this over here? And didn't you see this over here? And didn't you see this over here? Don't follow after it. Just like when you go to the doctor. The doctor says, I'm sorry, I have to say this to you, but you've got about two to four months and you're going to die. And what's the Word of God say? What you've been believing for. What are you going to believe? Yeah, but the doctor said. Yeah, but the Word said. Yeah, but the doctor said. Yeah, but the Word said. I keep, t- I keep throwing these things out to you and every, every once in a while I just you know, throw these uh, reports out that they have just to let you know, don't believe what doctors say. They, they will give you the best thing that they can tell you. I understand. And, and thank God for doctors. Thank God for the knowledge they have. You know, some of them have kept us alive until the point that we could, uh, our faith could do so. And they've done some things to help us out. And thank God for that. But they don't know everything. 
They've uh, published reports now recently that cholesterol is not bad for you. Have you seen those reports? I told you about that before. Cholesterol is not bad for you. And yet people have been working all their life to get rid of cholesterol, taking all kinds of drugs that are destroying their livers, simply because, well, someone said that cholesterol is bad for me. I have never bought into it. I never believed it. I've never had my cholesterol tested. I don't care what my cholesterol number is. I eat all the eggs I want. <laughs> Yesterday, if you saw off on Facebook, I posted a little picture there. I found eggnog. Egg, in, in April, we were out there in the grocery store. We, were going, we went in there for, for cheese, for some grilled cheese sandwiches that night. And I walked on by because I had to go by and pick up more chocolate milk because I'm out of chocolate milk. I go through two to three gallons of chocolate milk a week. Just me. Well, my granddaughter, too. She's in there. Between the, two, between the two of us, we polish off a lot of chocolate milk. And um, so we had to do that. I had a real long run yesterday. I needed a lot of chocolate milk. I had that much left. And that was gone no time. So we had to go out and we had to get some chocolate milk, too. So I got the chocolate milk right next to the chocolate milk. Right next to the chocolate milk is a half gallon of Lehigh Valley eggnog. Glory to God. Oh, yeah. Because I needed, I, I put up on I needed some extra calories. I burned off a lot of calories yesterday. My little meter that, that counts these things, it, it had, it, it pushed almost to 4,000. That's a lot of calories. I needed some more food in there. So, and you know how much calories is in eggnog? It's a lot. I don't know because I don't care. <laughs> you know how much cholesterol is in eggnog? Eggnog? I have no idea because I don't care. I drank up my eggnog. I'll eat my eggs. I have no idea what my cholesterol number is. And now apparently it doesn't matter. Apparently eggs were bad for you before, but now, now, they're, good. now they're good for you. Yeah. Coffee was bad for you for a while. Do you know now it's good for you? I mean, come on. These folks don't know what it is. Coconut oil was so bad for you they had to get it out of the movie theaters. Now, of course, it's no longer on the bad list. It's on the good list. They're doing the best they can. Understand that. They're doing the best that they can. But their best is not God's best. If God made it, it's good. If your spirit is telling you, don't eat eggs for a while. Don't eat eggs. Don't wonder why. Just listen to them. And when he says, go ahead and have some more eggs, you go out there and you enjoy them. You eat them eggs. Enjoy them things. If you want to eat vegetables, if that's in your spirit to eat vegetables, go out there and eat vegetables. You want to go and have a salad? I, I don't know if you know about this. The other day, I decided to have a salad. Whoa. I decided to have a salad. And so uh, my wife, she decided to have a chicken sandwich. And so I went out there and I, I, got, the thing, I got her the chicken sandwich that she would like, and I got me a salad. And I, I asked for the salad to be ordered a certain way. And um, I got on home, and it wasn't made that way. They put blue cheese on it. I, I can't handle blue cheese, folks. I love cheese, but there's only about six cheeses I like, and blue cheese is not on the list. I stopped, and I was like, oh, they put blue cheese on it. I'm ready, I'm ready to go back. I'm going to take this thing back. I'm going to get myself one and uh, it has no blue cheese on it. And she says, oh, I'll, I'll go ahead and eat it. So she ate the salad, and I ate the um, chicken sandwich. But I wanted to eat the salad. I, I, just, <laughs> I wanted to eat the salad. I bought the salad. I didn't eat the salad. I have to do it another time. 
But see, if you want to eat the fruits and vegetables, if that's in your spirit to do, you go out there and do it. If you want to go out and have the hamburger, you go ahead out there and do it. Listen to what's in your spirit. God will lead you in your spirit to eat the most healthy things and the things that benefit you, the things that benefit your diet. He will lead you in that way. Let him do it. Let him speak to you. But don't go with what you see. Just because the doctor comes and tells you you're going to die doesn't mean you're going to die. Listen to what God says. Just because a doctor says some bad news about some part of your body doesn't mean that that's true. Listen to what God says. Don't, don't condemn the doctor. Don't get nasty with the doctor. Just thank you, doctor. Appreciate your time. And smile. And, and go on. That's it. As a song we sing every once in a while, whose report will you believe? Well, whose report will you believe? I choose, I'm going to choose to believe the word of God. Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you eat your food, when you do whatever it is that you're doing, just natural, you should have peace about it. You should have peace about it. If you don't have peace, find out why. Why do I not have peace about this? What's, what's going on? Why am I in unrest? about eating this food or doing this thing or, or whatever, and find out. Maybe it's because you believe the wrong report. You need to get that wrong report out. Maybe it's because you're anxious about something. Maybe because you're, you know, fret and anxiety is coming in about something. Now, now, don't do it. Maybe other people are telling you, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you shouldn't do That's not good. That's not good. Don't, don't be doing that. I've had people tell me all kinds of things about what I'm doing that I shouldn't do. You know, one of the, you know, no, I think I've shared this with you, with you. Just about every doctor I've had in my, in my life, almost everyone, has always said, you run too much. It's not good for you. Almost every single one of them believed it was bad. I got one doctor I'm going to now, he runs, and uh, believes it's good. There's posters in the office about running. There's posters in the office with runners. I took my dad to a foot doctor. If I ever need a foot doctor, this is the guy I'm going to. This guy runs more than I do. He, he doesn't just run marathons. He runs beyond marathons. He's, he's I said, man, this is good. This is a good guy to be with. He's never going to tell me I'm running too much. Never going to tell me that. But you see, you don't, if you keep hearing... You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be going here. Uh, how many of you have ever heard people say, you go to church too much? You're going to get weird. I think you pray too much. You, you, you study the Bible too much. There are people that do that? What do you do when they do that? Scoff at them? Yeah. Well, you ought to do the same thing. If they're leading you and telling you to do something that you know on the inside you can do, that God has said, go ahead and do that. Don't listen to them. Let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, if it was a peace that was based on understanding, you would understand it. But you got a peace. What news did the doctor say? He said, I'm going to die. Two to four months. And you got a smile on your face. <laughs> doesn't that upset you? No. How, why doesn't that upset you? Why should it? <laughs> they won't understand it. There's a peace, folks, that goes beyond all that sort of stuff. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. I'll tell you what, if more people would just get those three words down, be thankful, and do all those other things, great, and be thankful. Most people are not thankful. They're, they're not grateful for what they have. They want something else. Oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I was out here. I wish I could be over here. I wish I had that job. I wish I had that bank account. I wish I had that vacation. All kinds of... Now be thankful for what you got. What do you have? Look at what, you, look at what God has blessed you with. Sit there and wow, I'm so glad. So thankful. If you just stayed in the place of being thankful, I'll tell you what, there'd be a whole lot less anxiety. You'd be having a whole lot less trouble in your body. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and with grace in your hearts to the Lord. See, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's up to you. I got to let that word dwell in me richly. You got to be going over it. Keep that word going. When is it that you listen to the word? When is it that you get the word in you? You ought to have times. You ought to have things that you do. Find ways to get that word on the inside of you. Just about all of us have smartphones anymore. And I know the people that have dumb phones, the numbers are going down. There's still some. How many of y'all still clinging on to your dumb phone? Yep, I know. There's a couple of them out there. Uh, look at that. Jim, you, even got, you got off the dumb phone, didn't you? He got onto a sm- Jim got off onto a smartphone. Folks, if Jim can get off into a smartphone. <laughs> it's still smarter than you are. You get those smartphones, you can load them up with all kinds of word. You can have the Bible on there. You can have messages on there. You can have um, DVDs. My, my, my wife and I, we have uh, Brother Hagen reading healing scriptures on our phones. We can pull that up and, and just hear healing scriptures read by Brother Hagen. Oh, that's a good thing. I've got an, an app that will download for free any, any book of the Bible. And I can just listen to it when I'm out in the run or, or doing something. Just have the, the Word of God going over my, my head. Get the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right, here's the focus change. Faith in what you see or feel over what God has revealed to you. Faith in what you see or feel over what God has revealed to you. You've got you to gotta have that going on. Because whenever God has revealed something to you, what has God revealed to you? Has God revealed something to you about what you could do, what you could be, where you can go? And then all of a sudden you begin to feel differently? Feel like, well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, ah, I'm not sure. What's God, what has God revealed to you? Some of you folks, you, 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 you got going? And you were starting on walking programs. I've heard from, from a number of you. You wanted to walk. You wanted to do things. And as you were starting to walk, because you hadn't walked in a while, as you started to walk, your body started talking to you. How many of you started walking and your body started talking to you? Your, your knee was talking to you. Your ankle was talking to you. Your hip was talking to you. Maybe your back was talking to you. Something's talking to you. And it's saying, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. Please make it stop. 
And you begin, you're walking, you're walking, and you're feeling that, you're feeling that. Oh, oh, oh. But God revealed to you, you can do this. What are you going to go with? What you feel, what you see, or what God revealed to you? What are you going to do with that? I've shared you my stories and running in that. Sometimes I'm out there running and a knee kicks up. I've had sometimes I could barely run back. I gave, I gave the stories. This is going on a while ago. Every time I would push up to try and get the, the, the long run out to a seven, eight mile run, things start kicking up. Things start to hurt. And uh, it was hard to, hard, to, hard to keep going. Now we've blown that out of the water. My long run is way beyond that. My average run is seven or eight miles. Before I was having a hard time getting, you know what I would do? Whole time I'm running and the thing's hurting. I am a runner. Runners run. Because God revealed that to me. And I keep going, I am a runner. Runners run. Father God, I thank you for strong, healthy knees. I thank you for strong, healthy hips. I thank you for strong muscles that I can not only do this, I can do more. I can do greater than this. And uh, it, it, was, it was tough. There were times I, I struggled with it. There were times that it, it, I, I start out running and I'm limping. Limping. I mean, oh, you just cringe every time you came down on it. Limping. And just, just going first mile, first two miles, sometimes the first three miles, limping the whole way. I don't know what neighbors were thinking. I don't run in my neighborhood. I run in other people's. They don't know me. I don't know what they're thinking. Here's this guy. He can barely walk. He's limping. And there he goes. And I just, just kept going, just kept going, just kept going. And eventually it would, it would start to work its way out. And pretty, now I don't even feel it at all. I don't feel it at all. I just go on out there and do it. What has God told you? Stop stopping what you're doing because of how you feel or what you see. If you will stop what you are doing because of what you see or what you feel on these little things, what are you going to do when God gives you something big? Not just in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. What are you going to do? You've got to learn now how to overcome it. So overcome it. Beat it. Don't be beaten by it. Keep going. Faith in what you see or feel over what God has revealed to you. Hang on to what God has revealed to you. you know, we talk about these things in the natural diets, walking, running, stuff like that, because it's easier for us to put our handle on it. But it's the, the application into your spirit is far more. Because God has called you to be a witness. God has called you to, to teach the people that are, that are around you. God has called you to be joyful. God has called you to be a worshiper. But there are a lot of things that come against you from, from doing that. God has called you to be a student of the word. These are spiritual things. Stay with them. If you can't learn how to do it in the natural, how are you going to do it in the spirit? There's there's verse on that too. Go over to James. If you cannot, or or First John, but I think they both talk about. It. If you can't love what you, the people that you can see, how can you say you love God whom you cannot? You got to deal with the natural area first. Get victory in the natural area. And you're going to go on and progress to victory in the spiritual area. All right, here's number four. He's going to lead you to a place where the wrong things are amply supplied. The wrong things are amply supplied. Remember Lot? 
Genesis chapter 13, verse 5. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and that the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwell in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go right. If you go right, I will go left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of God, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent, even as far as Sodom, for the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. What drew Lot to this area? the supply of grass and things for the herd. That there was plenty of it there. That's what drew him. What draws a lot of people to the wrong things is because there is plenty of supply. We like the supply. We, we hear about that. I've heard um, uh, one, one pastor I listened to, he got uh, saved out of um, drinking. He was an alcoholic. His parents were alcoholics. He was an alcoholic. And he loved to drink. And he said the whole time he served the devil, never did one person ever offer to buy him a drink. But he got saved, got to church, got saved, and uh, renounced all that. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do that. And he said, and out of the woodwork, people came. Hey, why don't you go to the bar with us? I'll buy all your booze. He says, the whole time I was unsaved, no one ever offered to buy all my booze. And now they were coming. He had that offer two or three different times. Someone said, come on along with us. Go to the bar. I'll buy all your alcohol. Not just one drink. I'll buy all your alcohol. Why? Because the, the enemy wants us to lead you to a place and so he'll offer the supply. All he needs to do is get you to start. You see, the enemy doesn't offer you an endless supply. He just gets you enough supply to get you distracted. But God wants to give you a blessing, which is an endless supply. Next time we see Lot, He's lost all his stuff. And he comes out of Sodom and Gomorrah with nothing but what they're wearing. And Abraham has plenty of stuff. He's grown. Where the enemy will lead you will look abundant, but it won't last. Don't follow after him. Don't go after that way. And uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me that I, if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time he saw the opportunity to betray him. He didn't get the money that he wanted. When the uh, perfume wasn't sold, he went over to the chief priest. He said, What will you give me? 30 pieces of silver is a one-time thing. And he decided to betray his Lord. Short term. But look at what happens with, with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, 
Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east where he built the altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. Now we talked about this before. God led him there, right? God told him to go, right? And he gets there and what happens? There's no supply. There's no supply. I put this in your outline for you. The presence or absence of supplies is never to guide you. Here's a change of focus that the enemy is trying to get us to, to, to do. Pursuing what is easy or rewarding in the short term over what will take faith. He wants you to go after what's easy. He wants you to go after what will reward you in the short term over going into what will take faith. Just know if where you're going takes no faith on your part, it's probably not God. God will send you to places, but your faith is going to be involved. Don't be afraid of them. Your faith will come through. Here's the last one. A place of fear, unrest, and uncertain, uncertainty. The enemy will try to lead you to a place of fear, unrest, and uncertainty. King Saul was called to be king. God anointed him to be king. He even went off and prophesied. And then when he got in there... Things began to happen and he began to go into places that he wasn't supposed to go and he became fearful. He became fearful of David. He became unrestful. He brought David in to play the harp because it would give him some rest. He was taken into a place of fear, unrest, and uncertainty. That wasn't God. He followed after it. The disciples, they were supposed to go into the garden and pray with Jesus to build up their faith. And instead, Jesus is taken, and they all run off. Now they're uncertain. They don't know what to do. And then he dies, and then they all come together, and what are we going to do? Peter says, well, I don't know about you, but I'm going back fishing. I'm going back to what I had before. They were fearful, filled with unrest, and uncertainty. That's not what God does. James chapter 3, verse 16, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That'll tell you why the powerful stuff and all that. We're not going to get into all the things of that verse. But for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion in every evil thing. The way that the devil gets you into a place where there is fear, unrest, and uncertainty is to change your focus, get you to become selfish, over pursuing love. If he can get you to become selfish over pursuing love, he can pull you into this place. Saul got into a place of selfishness. He didn't pursue the love of God. The disciples did the same thing. They got into a self-preservation mode. They didn't pursue the love of Jesus. If he can get you to change your focus to where you are, there is envy and self-seeking when that exists, that's the atmosphere where confusion and every evil thing are there. And fear will come in, unrest will come in, and uncertainty will come in. 
All right. We don't want to leave you here with just these, these negative things on, on what the devil will try and do. What is God doing? What are the five things that God has put in your life that the enemy is trying to pull down and to attack? Now, in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God leads you by steps. He does not throw things at you all of a sudden. He leads you by steps. He's going to guide your steps. Here's the God's guidance system. Five things that the enemy is trying to pull out. First thing is preparation. The first thing that God does to help guide you is to prepare you. He is preparing your way. He is making your path straight. He's going to begin to speak to you down in your spirit and say, Steve, get ready. This change is coming up. Steve, get ready. I'm going to move you to a different job. Steve, get ready. This is coming into your life. Steve, get ready. This is going to happen. And he begins to warn you. He begins to give you advance notice. God will do that. God will, will do things like that. I worked for a church before this one. And when I was, I was in there, I was just minding my old business. And the Spirit of God came up on the inside of me and said, they're going to come and they're going to ask you to do this. Was it okay that I do that? He says, yes, it's okay. And so they came and they asked me. I didn't say, well, let me go away and pray about it. I said, all right, I can do that. A little while later, the Spirit of God came up on the inside of me, just minding my own business, doing my own thing. And he came up, they're going to ask you to do this. Well, is it okay that I do that? Yes, it's okay that you do that. And he did that on a number of occasions. I knew beforehand that someone was going to, going to do that. And, and God will do that. God will help you. God will let you know when a change is coming on your job. God will let you know when a change is coming on the horizon. He will prepare you. Too often, people are taken by surprise and they follow after it. Well, I didn't know this was coming up. I had no idea, but here it was. It was a great opportunity. I just, I, I just felt like I had to take it. Wrong. God will prepare you. Preparation is one of the things God does. He will prepare you for where he's taking you. Nothing should take you by surprise. That's the first thing of God's guidance system. Here's the second one. Priorities. The enemy wants to get you to compromise your priorities. God wants you to keep them. He wants you to uphold them. What are your priorities? What God has said, what God has written. What are your priorities? What are the things that you should hold? We've got to make sure we keep them in there. Priorities of faith. Priorities of worship. Make sure you keep those things. What are the priorities? What are the priorities from the Word of God? Hold on to those priorities. Don't let them be compromised. Don't put them aside for a time. Don't just, well, just for today, just for this. No, don't do it. Preparation and priorities. Third one is principles. God is going to build principles on the inside of you. Those principles are to guide your life. He is continually going to grow you and teach you new principles. Principles from the Word of God. Not just truths, but truths that show you this is the principle that, go that governs God and that should govern you. Principles of faith. Principles of love. Principles of grace, principles of mercy. Those principles should govern you. And once you learn them, you put them in your life, and they are a stabilizing force. They keep you going in the right direction. Instead of following after what you see and what you hear, you follow after what you believe, and you stay with it. The principles. Provision. You learn to trust God for provision, that God is our provider. Whatever it is that you need, He will provide it. Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need love? It all comes from Him. He is the provider for that. Do we need money? Do we need wisdom? He is the provider for that. He is 
our provider. I look to no other. And we look for that. And once I have that down, when I see the green fields, I don't get distracted. I don't go after the green fields. I stay with him being my provider. And here's the last one, peace. The word of God says, let the peace of God rule us. The peace of God is to rule you. In the verses of scripture we just looked at on when we were looking at the last one, there's peace involved with those. Because God will use his peace to let you know. When Daniel is in the lion's den, he's at peace. In the lion's den with angry lions ready to eat him. He's at peace. He's, he's okay. He's getting ready to be thrown into the lion's den. What's he say? Don't worry about it, king. I'll be out. We're, <laughs> we're fine. It's good. And he comes on down. Yeah, you can open it if you want to. I'm fine down here. He's at peace. You can be at peace no matter what's going on around you. You can be at peace. Five guided systems that God has put for every believer. Preparation, priorities, principles, provision, and peace. The enemy tries to attack all five of these and get you distracted. Recognize his attacks. Don't give in to them. If you recognize these attacks, if you bring all of them back to this, you will never be able to be deceived. I'm not saying you won't ever pursue them, but I'm saying you won't be deceived. You may still choose to go after them, but you won't do it because you were deceived. You can pinpoint this is a tactic of the enemy. This is something the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to get me misdirected. He's trying to make me think that this is God and it's not God. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the things that you have put into our life to keep us on the right path. These five principles, Father, keep us going where we're supposed to go. As long as we stay on the path, we can recognize distractions a whole lot easier. So, Father, help us to keep these five things in front of us, to understand the enemy wants to attack them and to pull them down. But we don't have to let them. We can know his tactics, know his ways, and we can continue to walk in the things that you have given us, continually feeding them, continually growing them, knowing that your peace is upon us, and we let that peace govern us. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We give you the glory. We are getting stronger and stronger. We are not getting weaker. We are not being overcome. This world may be getting more evil, but Father, we are growing in the knowledge of God. And no matter how bad they get, you are far stronger. And Father, we have the confidence to know that we do not have to fail. We do not have to lose. But if we stand with you, just as so many in the Word of God did, we stand with you. We will be the last ones standing. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise reports. Did we get anybody who wrote down some of the praise reports, things that happened today in the worship service or other ones that came on? If you need one of those uh, pieces of paper, you know you can ask our ushers for it. They will be happy to bring one of those over. Okay, this um, this is actually a healing praise report from Mercy. She got a call yesterday at 7 a.m. that her mom was uh, very sick and I'd be able to speak or walk. The doctors had her on a drip. She said, I, she, I prayed with them and... Um, was constantly reminding them what the Word of God says. And praise God, today she's able to speak and walk. Praise God. God is so good. Amen. 
Amen. Um, this is one from Ethel. She says, because of being a part of the ministry here at church, I am hearing so much more and more clearly. Praise the Lord for that. Um, and Susan says, praise God that the situation with my publisher worked out. He returned all of the rights on her books, and she's moving to another publisher. Amen. All right. And then um, who can guess my praise report? You've been following me on Facebook. I've been counting down. we got four more days. I get to go see my son. Praise God for that. Um, there was another praise report I was supposed to share, but it wasn't written down. Somebody else to give me. It'll come to me. I don't remember. Anybody else have anything or prayer requests? Oh, Albie's home. That was the praise report. Yes, Albie is doing much better. Bert's husband, he um, is healed of the pneumonia. He's been home now. So this is from Sharon. She says, I thank God for Miss Gladys who helped me out this week with good advice on some health questions she had. Praise the Lord. Amen. 